Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode number 107 of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? I'm your host, Chris Tripodi, and joining me, as always, is Tony Pauline. And Tony is live from St. Petersburg, Florida, for this year's East-West Shrine Bowl, formerly known as the East-West Shrine Game. It was unseasonably warm this weekend in New York, Tony. Got up into the 60s. Did that prepare you for the Florida heat and sun at all? Well, you know, the uh, the practices are inside in the Tropicana Dome, on the Tropicana Field. They used to be outside at, at two different high schools, and I kind of wish they were outside uh, because it was probably in the uh, low 80s today, high 70s. I would have come back to New York with a, uh, with a nice tan. So it doesn't really matter because we're indoors for the practices. And I'll just let the listeners know uh, we, I am working off of wireless on a, uh, or from a hotel that's near the bay here. So if the connection goes in and out, you'll un- I hope you'll understand why. Uh, but the the internet access, uh, the wireless I'm working from is not the strongest in the world, but we'll try and get through it. And hey, we made it through that uh, first little bit here. So hopefully we keep going smooth here. And uh, we're going to break down everything that Tony saw from day one of Shrine Practices. We're going to go position by position. And naturally, we're going to start with the quarterbacks. If you listen to us on our preview show from last week, you can hear all the names that are going to be down there in St. Pete. A late ad was Yale's Kurt Rawlings. But Tony, as we discussed already, an interesting mix of signal callers down here at the Shrine Bowl. Who stood out to you on day one? I think James Morgan of Florida International was hands down the best quarterback uh, of the first day of practice. He was accurate. His pass placement was terrific. His timing was right on, which is a difficult thing to do because Remember, he's never practiced with these receivers before. This is the first time he's ever thrown the ball to him. It's sort of like the combine or even the senior bowl. And he just got out there, and it looked like he had been working with these receivers uh, for months on end now. It kind of reminds me of what I saw Jimmy Garoppolo when he played in the Shrine game probably about six, seven years ago. I'm not saying he is Jimmy Garoppolo, but his pass placement and his accuracy of James Morgan was sort of in that realm. He doesn't have the great arm strength. He struggles to get the ball down the field. But hands down, James Morgan of Florida International was the top quarterback uh, of the day. I thought that uh, the Princeton quarterback, Kevin Davidson, showed the strongest arm. He's able to get the ball down the field with a flick of his wrist. Had some trouble with his accuracy. Was off the mark with his throws, but you can see he's got the physical skills. I actually spent some time tonight speaking with Kevin Davidson. Told me he wanted to go to Stanford. Stanford was recruiting him. But it was a problem when he transferred to a public school in Oakland. He lived north of uh, north of San Francisco, traveled, uh, transferred to a public school in Oakland, ended up getting suspended for a year because of that transfer. And when that happened, all the schools fell off. It was down to Missouri or Princeton. He chose Princeton. He, he is uh, by far and away the most physically gifted uh, quarterback here. Now, Tony, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that Davidson's choices were between Princeton and Missouri because we do have a quarterback from Missouri at the Shrine game, a guy who everyone knew from his days at Clemson, and that's Kelly Bryant. Kind of fell off the map a bit this year, didn't have the season many people might have been expecting after he transferred out of Clemson when Trevor Lawrence took his job. What did you see from Bryant? Flashes. Not not a lot of consistency. The mobility's there, the agility's there. He looked kind of confused or, or basically not confident in his receivers or offensive line, did a lot of scrambling, 
around rather than making throws. Early in practice, he threw a beautiful deep ball, probably 45, 50 yards down the field. It went in and out of the hands of the uh, Boise State receiver. John Hightower should have been a reception. But I, I think he's on the West team. He was the best quarterback on the West, which is not saying much because all the quarterbacks in the West really struggled. I mean, none of them stood out. Mason Fine of North Texas is a small guy. He doesn't have a big arm. Tyler Huntley was just – he was not good today. I mean, Tyler Huntley's passes, Tyler Huntley of Utah – uh, passes were all over the place today. He ended practice with a real bad interception. And that's what we saw from Tyler Huntley basically throughout his career at Utah. When he was on, Utah was unstoppable. But when he was inconsistent or he was not on his game, Utah struggled. And that's what happened at the end of the season, specifically in that Pac-12 title game against Oregon. We saw it today, too. Yeah, you want to talk about flashes. I mean, Tyler Huntley is a guy that sometimes he'll look like he's got second-day talent with some of the things he does, whether it's pocket movement, whether it's throwing the ball down the field, when he's able to maintain that accuracy. But as you said, he's up and down. His throws can be scattershot, and it seems like it's been more of the same for him in St. Pete. Absolutely. I, I, and it's not just the deep passes. I mean, short passes, wide-open receivers are adjusting or, or basically laying out to make, make what are difficult receptions when the ball should be placed in their hands. So, listen. I think playing in this game is an achievement for Tyler Huntley because coming into the season, scouts graded him as a street free agent. Now he's the guy. I don't think he's going to be selected in the draft. He's still probably going to be signed as a priority free agent. He's a better prospect today than what scouts considered him a year ago. So any way, shape, or form, that's better for him. Now, it's not always easy to scout running backs in an all-star type of setting. There's limited contact in practice. You get more from the game at the running back position. But in this case, pass catching ability for these guys tends to stand out because they're doing a lot of it. This year, there are five backs at the Shrine Bowl who are over 215 pounds, and they can make themselves some money if they show some ability as receivers. You obviously expect the smaller guys to do that, but if you get a bigger back that can catch passes, that's only going to enhance their value at the NFL level. Did anybody do that today, Tony? And even if not, who showed out at the running back position? I thought James Robinson of Illinois State had a real good game, real good day of practice. I shouldn't say real good game, real good day of practice. Started off the practice for the West with a long run. It was a 35, 40-yard run where he juked a couple of defenders and basically burst through the hole. It was an outstanding run that showed good vision, balance, cutting ability, caught the ball well during uh, throughout the entire practice. And again, like you said, this is a 215-pound back. I thought he really stood out. A lot of people like Benny LeMay. Of Charlotte, another guy who goes about 215 pounds, good short area quickness, the ability to make defenders miss, solid pass catching hands out of the backfield. Sometimes it takes the running backs a little while to get involved in, the, in these sorts of uh, situations. And like you said, you know, when you're doing full scrimmages or even one on ones, it can be a little bit difficult because the play is so short. But I thought Robinson really stood out, and some people commented to me this evening that they re really like Benny LeMay of Charlotte. Now, moving on to the wide receivers here, we've talked a lot lately about Navy quarterback Malcolm Perry, whether it was the bowl game, whether it's what position he's going to play. We were a bit surprised he was listed with the receivers instead of at running back. What did his transition look like to you? And obviously among the rest of the receivers, did anybody else catch your eye? Malcolm Perry's uh, transition to receiver was seamless. Uh, you know, as I said on Twitter, he looked like a duck in water. I mean, he ran good routes. He caught the ball exceptionally well. It's like he almost... He had been playing receiver for the last four years at Navy rather than the quarterback, the way he extends his hands and snatches the ball out of the air, good eye-hand coordination, excellent balance and body control, which he shows when he carries the ball. 
But I, I mean, he showed all of the necessary traits to be a, a real good receiver, uh, whether it be on the college level or at the next level in the NFL. Now, I was told he is going to work a little bit at running back during the week. But like you said, we were both surprised that he was listed as a receiver rather than a running back. And, you know, he passed the first test. Uh, another, I don't want to say smaller school guy, because maybe obviously isn't a small school guy, but Mason Kinsey of uh, Berry University also had a, a very good day. Another smaller guy, but incredibly quick, ran great routes, caught the ball very well. You can tell he's been playing receiver for a while. Uh, fundamentally sound, extends his hands and snatches the ball away from his frame. Uh, really look good catching the ball. And I think he's done basically what a small school receiver has got to do with this game. I mean, who knows a very university before coming to the shrine practice. And if he keeps it up, people are going to be talking about him uh, entering the game on Saturday. Absolutely. And I mean, I feel like the Shrine game doesn't have quite the small school representation that the Senior Bowl does. Obviously, the Senior Bowl is going to get the guys who are going to be small school players who were drafted on day two, early on day three. So there aren't as many guys left over for the Shrine game to get. So it's good to see a guy like Kinsey showing out. Two guys I wanted to discuss. One guy is a player that we've talked about a lot this season, and that's Jawan Johnson out of Oregon. Also, John Hightower out of Boise State. I saw some mixed reports on Hightower. Some things he did well, some things he did poorly. What did you see from those two guys, Tony, at this first day of practice? You know, starting with Hightower, he dropped that pass, which was a bad drop uh, from Kelly Bryant down the field. Kelly Bryant literally placed the ball in his hands some 40 yards down the field, and then it went, he just dropped it. After that, he kind of picked it up. He made a lot of difficult receptions. A couple of receptions where he had to leave his feet and go skyward and grab the ball. I thought he did a, uh, did a relatively solid job. As far as Juwan Johnson's concerned, I mean, I said on Twitter, he looked like a tight end that kind of got mixed up and was sent in with the receiver group. The guy is huge. He is massive. Caught the ball pretty well. I will tell you this. I was surprised by the lack of quickness and speed that I saw in practice today because it's something that I thought I saw on film, regardless of whether it was at Penn State in his early in his college career or whether it was at Oregon in 2019. He looked to me today like a guy that you're going to say, we're going to put 15 pounds on him, 10 pounds on him, and we're going to turn him into a move tight end. Sort of the way they did with Jesper Horsted of Princeton, the bigger receiver who came here last year to try game, had a terrific week of practice, and they've now turned him into a move tight end in Chicago. That's what Juwan Johnson looked like today. Let's see what happens in the next two days of practice. Now we'll move on to the tight ends here. And this was a position that, if you listen to our preview show, we weren't terribly excited about it. South Florida's Mitchell Wilcox was the headliner, but we did want to see what Giovanni Ricci from Western Michigan brought to the table. Now you talk about Juwan Johnson having the size of a tight end. Juwan Johnson's about 6'4", 230. Giovanni Ricci is 6'3", 240. So these two are similar sized players. Did you see anything notable from Ricci or anybody else today? Not really. Remember, Ricci was a former receiver who moved to tight end. I think he's got to get a little bit bigger. He's got to get a little bit beefier. Really didn't stand out. If there was one tight end that really stood out to me, it was Parker Houston of San Diego State. That was because of his blocking. I mean, a couple of times uh, in full scrimmage and even one-on-ones, when he was going up against defensive linemen and guys like Bryce Huff of Memphis, he was handling them uh, with regularity. And he is a, a fundamentally sound blocker with good strength. Caught the ball reasonably well, but he's more of a shorter pass catcher. Uh, but he really stood out to me as a blocker. Dominic Wood Anderson of Tennessee made a couple of nice catches, but he also had a few drops. So, Really, overall, it was just not an inspiring performance by any of the tight ends. 
Now onto the offensive line here. And the Shrine Bowl this year has lots of college tackles who are going to project to guard at the next level. So it seems likely that a lot of the intrigue is going to come on the interior of the offensive line. Was that the case, Tony? Yeah, that's exactly the case. I mean, Calvin Throckmorton was a guy who, you know, we saw for a couple of years play uh, tackle at Oregon. He moved into guard here. He looked real good at guard, uh, a natural fit, excellent uh, blocking vision, fundamentally sound, not the greatest athlete in the world. Uh, there were a couple other guys who pushed into uh, guard to play tackle, but Throckmorton of Oregon really stood out as a guy who just seemed to t- be a natural and take well to the position during the first day of practice. Now, you tweeted Monday about Clemson center Sean Pollard. We discussed on the preview show that a lot of these Clemson guys, we didn't know what they were going to do if they were going to fly in the day after the national championship game. Pollard, though, does plan on arriving at the Shrine Bowl on Tuesday after playing in Monday night's title game. It's not unprecedented, as you mentioned earlier. We still can't remember who the guy was from Oregon that played in that title game back in 2015. But there was a guy, and it did happen. It's happening again with Sean Pollard here. Have you heard anything about some of the other Clemson players or not yet? I have not, but I talked to uh, Pollard's agents, and they told me that he's going to be here on Tuesday. Whether or not he plays is another thing. He may get here late. He's going to have to be weighed and measured and everything else. Uh, they have to go through some exams. So he may not see the field tomorrow, but it's, uh, the agents assure me that Pollard is planning and is expected to be here on Tuesday, uh, probably will practice on Wednesday. I've not heard anything else about any uh, Clemson players that are listed uh, on the roster for the uh, trying game. And just to wrap up the offensive side of the ball here, Tony, did anybody else stand out to you? You know, during the East practice, Michael and when of uh, Michigan, he is a guy, he's big, probably a little bit too big. He's got to lose some weight, but he is strong. And once he got his hands on opponents, they could knock it off. Watch. I thought he did a real good job. Jake Benzinger of Wake Forest to tackle. He had his uh, moments. I thought Evan, and I know I'm going to butcher his name, Kreisink of Buffalo, played left tackle. He's a massive lineman. Moves his speed pretty well. Showed some lateral range. I still project it to right tackle, but I thought he had a real good game. Uh, during the afternoon's practice for, for the West, I thought Kevin Dotson of Louisiana played well. I thought Deshaun Dixon of San Diego State, a guy who I've watched since his sophomore year, really stood out. He had his battles with Raekwon Williams of Michigan State, won most of them, lost a few of them. He's a tough slugged out guy. And the question with him is, can he handle, can he mentally handle the complexities uh, of a in-depth or, or, or very complex offensive scheme? You know, he's a guy where you may have to keep his responsibilities to a minimum, but he's tough and uh, he's tough, he's strong, and he played very well today. Now we'll get to the defensive side of the ball in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsor. It's 2020, we're heading into a new year, and for the first time in a long time, the Patriots aren't going to make the Super Bowl. So who's your next pick? Head over to mybookie.ag to make your predictions a reality. MyBookie is one of the most trusted in the industry. Football not your thing? Again, would be weird if you're listening to this podcast, but if you don't like betting on football, MyBookie has it all. From the NBA to the Premier League, they've even got odds on the UFC. And with everybody's favorite Irish nuisance fighting on the 18th, things are bound to get exciting. Good to see he's fighting this time and not boxing. But my bookie has the fastest payouts, the best promotions, and a very helpful 24-7 customer service team. If you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. 
If you deposit $2,000, you'll get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promo code BLV to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code BLV to get your extra cash from MyBookie. MyBookie, bet, win, and get paid. Now, we've talked a lot about Carlos Davis out of Nebraska, obviously a friend of the podcast. We spoke to him in the offseason, but his twin brother, Khalil, really was the story of the day among defensive linemen and maybe even across all positions, too. I know some other guys looked good as well. Tony, you mentioned Raekwon Williams going up against Deshaun Dixon. He backed up the fact that he's kind of one of the bigger names at the Shrine Bowl this week. Tell us more about the performances from both Davis and Williams and anybody else who caught your eye. Yeah, there were a couple of defensive linemen that really stood out. I thought Khalil Williams, as you said, Khalil Davis, I should say, uh, really, really played well from the get-go. I mean, he plays with great leverage, great head level. He's strong. He, he's impossible to move off the point. He bull rushed uh, a lot of offensive linemen to get penetration, was constantly winning those one-on-one -on -one matchups, uh, really, really stood out from, some, from start to finish. And he was on the West team. And the West side had a practice that went almost two and a half hours today. And, and really, Khalil, uh, Khalil Davis uh, was a force from start to finish. I thought as the, we got into the second half of the practice, Carlos Davis really picked up his game. He shows great hand technique. He's very quick with his hands. He basically got caught up to the level that his brother was playing out. Bravian Roy of Baylor was another guy who really stood out. A lot of people told me today that they thought he, Roy should be at the uh, senior bowl. I mean, he's a big guy. He goes 330 pounds. He's relatively athletic. He's quick and he's explosive. Now, every once in a while, you'll get a play where you'll hear a, a rise from the scouts where they'll go a ooh or an ah. And it was a raised play today where he got penetration, uh, where, where he just exploded in one-on-ones and just destroyed his guy. That really got the uh, scouts, that arise from the scouts. You know, mentioned Raekwon Williams. Very athletic, had his moments. Problem Raekwon Williams is he's not very consistent, which was an issue at Michigan State, which what we I saw on film. A guy who at times would look like a top 45 pick and then would disappear and look like a free agent. So at the top of his game, he and Deshaun Dixon really battled out and he he won a couple of those battles, but it, he was not consistent about it. I thought the uh, small school North Dakota State uh, defensive end Derek Tuzak played Tuzka played very well, and, and this is a guy who. Uh, on Saturday, was playing for the national title with his team and won the national title. Bryce Huff of Memphis also had a good game. Had a good game both out of a three-point stand, or I should say a good uh, practice. I keep, keep saying uh, game. I'm still in uh, in-season mode. Had a good practice. Uh, did well coming out of a three-point stance. Did well standing over tackle. Uses his hands very well. Uh, John Penasini of uh, Utah had his moments. You can tell he's a great technician. He's very intense. He's smart. He's just not a real good athlete. He's not a superior athlete, but he beats people with his with his uh, intensity and with his smarts, playing with the uh, constant uh, proper technique. Uh, Mike Dana of Michigan, by way of uh, Central Michigan, had his moments today where he flashed. I thought the small school kid from West Georgia, I know I'm going to put, put you his name, uh, Alu Fahai, uh, was sort of like Khalil Davis and Bravian Roy in the sense that uh, he was a powerhouse. He was uh, bull rushing opponents off the line. They couldn't stop him. He shows great power, just needs a little bit more uh, uh, polish on his uh, technique. But he, all, he had a terrific game day as well. Now, we'll move on from the defensive line, which is probably one of the more fun positions to scout in a setting like this, simply because you see a lot of one-on-ones between them and the offensive linemen, similar to corners and receivers. 
we'll move from the D line to the linebackers where kind of like their counterparts at running back can be a bit hard to judge them in an all-star setting. You do get a lot of coverage reps from linebackers though. And in today's NFL where three down linebackers are in such high demand, you really want to see what guys can do in coverage. Obviously you don't expect a ton of guys to fit that profile at a game like the Shrine Bowl, but Tony, what you see from this position group, especially the Miami guys, Shaq Quarterman and Mike Pinkney. Yeah, none of the linebackers stood out to me, but Shaq Quarterman and Michael Pinkney, especially Pinkney, were very disappointing to me in uh, coverage drills. Now, I kind of expected it from Quarterman because when you watch him play, he's primarily an in-the-box, up-the-field type of linebacker, two-down run defender, which he does very well. Pinkney, on the other hand, is the guy who's known to be more athletic. He's the faster guy. He's the one who covers more area than his teammate. Yet he was getting pummeled. I mean, he was getting beat badly in, in the coverage drills against tight ends, against running backs. He was getting beat. He was constantly playing catch up. Hopefully he rebounds because if he doesn't rebound, a guy who basically is an undersized running chase linebacker like he is, uh, if those uh, cover skills do not prove, he, he may fall out of the draft because teams are going to say, if he can't cover players at the Shrine game, how's he going to cover players on Sunday in the NFL? Now, last but not least, we'll head to the secondary here where we have lots of safeties and corners to look at here. I know, Tony, you had some words to say on Twitter about SMU safety Rodney Clemens and also Michigan cornerback LaVert Hill. We've also seen some things going around about Alabama D-back Shaheem Carter, Neville Clark, a guy from Central Florida at cornerback, had a pretty good day, a guy I liked when I saw him during the season as well. What do you see from these guys and also anybody else who might have stood out for you? I think the two safeties uh, for the East, Shaheen Carter and Rodney Clemens, both had good games. Both, again, both had good days of practice. I hope they'll get out of that uh, get out of that issue by tomorrow. Just in time for next season. Exactly. Both had uh, good days of practice. But Clemens made a beautiful play on a pass early uh, in the first practice for the East. You know he's a hard hitter. You know he's a good run defender. He's showing good ball skills. Shaheen Clark really looked like, like a complete safety. He's not the fastest guy in the world. He's not the most athletic guy, but you can see why he plays for Alabama. He's got a good head for the ball, really didn't have any mental breakdowns uh, or, or, or basically just poor plays, had a solid day, and did make some real good plays on the ball. LaVert Hill made a number of plays on the ball. Now, I tweeted out that I like LaVert Hill's ball skills, but I question his speed. Somebody who, who's familiar with Hill says, don't worry, he's going to run fast. He's going to run a low 4-4s. Four he's going to run low 4-3s. I said, in my opinion, he doesn't play that fast on film. But they said he's got, he's got the speed to play at the next level, which it's good to see because he is a solid cornerback. Uh, uh, I thought Chris Williamson of Minnesota had a solid day. Did have a couple of breakdowns, but for the most part, uh, broke up a number of passes. He was the guy who intercepted the pass against Tyler Huntley at the end of the day. He's someone who was highly rated coming into his senior season. They kind of moved him to nickel back rather than as a starting corner at Minnesota. His game kind of slid off a little bit. He showed a lot of skill here today. Uh, one guy who I thought really struggled was Luke Barku of San Diego State. Now, Barku was a guy who wasn't even graded by scouts coming into the year. He may end up with a combine invite. The fact that he's here shows how well he played in 2019. He's got some 40 stats. But he really struggled, especially trying to make plays with his back of the ball. Just seemed slow to react. Didn't see, uh, didn't seem very active. Uh, so when I watch the film, it's going to be a situation of did he make plays or was just more opportunities that presented himself? 
I like the point you made about Lavert Hill and simply the fact that if he runs fast, I mean, cornerback is definitely a stopwatch position. Speed matters. You need to be able to run in a straight line down the field. You can't say that about every position on the football field. But if Lavert Hill is going to run well at the combine, but he doesn't play to that speed, what does that speed actually mean? If you run a 4-4, but you play like you're a 4-5, 4-5-5 guy, you can have all the ball skills in the world. But if you're not translating your speed into the game setting, what does it really mean? Yeah, it's a good point, but it also comes down to coaching. I mean, you have to coach a guy to play to his speed, and, and that's part of probably the, the you know the the issue with Michigan. I, I mean, Michigan guy, Michigan's always losing to Ohio State or coming up short in bowl games uh, because they fall short of expectations because a lot of these guys are not playing up to expectations. So I think it's a, it's a great point, but I also think it's a matter of coaching these guys to play to their time speed. And that's it for the 107th episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us questions on Twitter that we'd be happy to answer on the show. We'll be back tomorrow with a recap of day two of Shrine Bowl practices. But until then, on behalf of Tony Pauline, I'm Chris Tripodi. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.